I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong. Where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Well, hey, y'all. Hey. I'm so cheesy, but I mean, y'all should know me by now, so it is what it is, right? So excited today because I have one of the homies back. (laughs) Somebody who I absolutely adore, and I think that you all adore too. She is an incredible person, a dynamic educator, um, a trailblazing entrepreneur. I don't even say that lightly. I'm someone who lives life to the fullest and someone who I really just enjoy um, and have enjoyed getting to know and still in getting to know and just evolving through life with. So today we have with us Dr. Tierra Belcher, Dr. Belcher, um, someone who's just again phenomenal, also a podcast host, um, a woman of, of many hats. So I'm going to be quiet though and just welcome her back and say, Hey, Dr. Belcher, how you doing? Hello, um, I'm doing well. I'm excited to be back here to talk with you. I always enjoy having the opportunity to connect with you on any platform. So thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited to be here. You're so very, so very, so very welcome. Um, I like to say stuff over and over. I think the educator in me is like, you know, say it, say it again, and say it again. <laughs> but what have you been up to since the last time you were on the show? Please catch us up on you know, your life. Um, I mean, where are you at in the world now and what are you doing now? I just look forward to hearing all these things from you. Absolutely. And I can definitely resonate with saying it a few times. You got to make sure people hear you. You really hear me, hear me. But I, it's been a while. So since last year, I, at that time I was living in New Orleans, Louisiana. I was a, I still am a counselor educator, but I was teaching down there in New Orleans. And since then, I have relocated back to Virginia. I'm from Richmond, Virginia, and I'm back here in Richmond. So going to figure out what that means for me. But I have the opportunity of changing institutions. I'm now working with or working for Virginia Commonwealth University. And so I'll be continuing doing that as a counselor educator, finishing up some things with my previous institution currently. And I still have my private practice. So in addition to being a counselor educator, I am a licensed professional counselor and board certified supervisor for counseling. And that has really shaped up uh, since we last spoke. When we first spoke, I was just starting my private practice and the pandemic was already happening, but it was shaping up in a different way. I had just started my private practice, had a brick and mortar, regular office, and then in the process of learning about COVID and understanding the restrictions and then seeing the profession grow to telehealth, I've now transitioned to being a fully telehealth provider. So I'm providing mental health services through primarily individual counseling, but I can do individual couples, whatever is necessary. But primarily I work with individuals and I'm doing that through the state of Louisiana and the state of Virginia. So if anybody's familiar with licensure processes, I'm a licensed professional counselor in those two states currently. And it has been a whirlwind, uh, you know, uprooting from 
the deep south and moving back up to Virginia has been quite the, the process. Talk about the glow up. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. And I mean, they go from one great school to a, another great school. I have a lot of love for VCU. But just but shout out to VCU if you're listening to this. Um, definitely an institution that has absolutely held me up and down and all around. So I love VCU. I have definitely an affinity for the institution. And then so much, I mean, talk about being a boss, um, licensure in two states. And I don't fully understand it because I haven't been there, but all of the things I do understand just from like um, just different trainings and things that I've had. I know when you cross borders, that's a really significant piece. And then for you to now be virtual, that's a lot of change. Um, so very, very excited for you. And I would be interested to know in this moment, what has been the most exciting of the things that has changed for you recently with all that you just shared with us? Wow, that is that's is a loaded question. But the most exciting, I'll say the most exciting part of all of this is finding joy in the journey. I actually have that on a piece of artwork behind me and it helps me stay centered. If you know anything about moving from one state to the next, it is especially capitalism. It's a lot. It's expensive. It's exhausting. It can try on every part of you. But I have been able to find joy in the journey, trying to get myself and maintain being settled as much as possible. And that kind of deconstructing what settled even means for me. So not so much as everything is figured out, but being able to sit and acknowledge those feelings, ride them out and find joy in it. There's, it's going to end at some point, those feelings, just like any other feeling. Another one is waiting to come in the door. So yeah, finding joy in the journey has been the best part of all of this so far. I felt that. I felt that one. And what has me curious now, well, let me go back before I even before I lose the thought, I was just talking to a soror of ours um, in another interview that I had recently, um, Kia Edwards, and I told her to trademark something she said. So you just said, join the journey, go see if it's there, <laughs> because then you can do something with that. And I was like, well, that's good. I felt that. I felt that. Um, and what does that really mean to have join the journey? Because even thinking about the reason that you're back, you know, with us is to talk about pivoting, because so many of us since, you know, especially since Coco came through have had a lot of transitions and things that we've had to experience that have been significant. Um, but kind of getting, you know, back to kind of the thoughts, please talk to us a little bit about um, the joy in the journey or what even made you go ahead and decide to pivot because it's a big deal to have a brick and mortar establishment and now you're fully virtual. And I'm just gonna say real quick, two shout out to the virtual therapist because I have one, been with her for almost two years and it has been absolutely phenomenal. I'm glad to hear that you are a proponent of therapy, whether it's in-person, virtual. Thank you so much. More people need to know that it is okay to go to therapy. People go, doesn't mean there has to be something innately wrong, but more so it's a space that you can utilize. If you don't, maybe if you don't have a space that you can really sit with all of your thoughts and feelings, it could be that and so much more. So thank you so much for that plug. Now, I will have to look and see if joining the journey is already trademarked because that could be very helpful. Absolutely. So a little bit of how I got in this position of where I am, it's something that honestly happens to many. It will happen to us all eventually. But my father passed away suddenly last year. And while I was already on the market and looking, it was that kind of additional piece of, hey, it's time to get back home. So that's one of the reasons that many people end up pivoting in their careers. They're getting some tug, some pull from home, from family, 
a need to recenter, something of that nature. And that was a major part for me, just going through the process of grieving so far away. Uh, even though I have community and I created community in New Orleans, it's different when something of this magnitude comes in and just my own personal desire and need to be back here, be back in my kind of, I mean, honestly, right now I'm in my teenage bedroom. It's now the office. So I'm back here and truly being grounded in that way. It, everyone doesn't need something of that magnitude, but for me, it was necessary. So finding joy in the journey is a bit of trying to continue to be optimistic and remembering something that my father instilled in me. My father passed away, as I mentioned last year, my mother passed away several years before that. And during that time I was in undergrad and potentially trying to navigate another pivoting moment. And I remember my father saying, just kind of one day at a time, just keep going. Let's pick up, let's, let's acknowledge this one hurdle. At that time I was, I think I was a sophomore or junior. And it was, let's just make it through the end of the semester. And that kind of mentality helped me make it all the way through graduating undergrad and up until this point. So I did something similar. It's like, okay, how can I get back to a baseline so that I can continue moving forward? Moving home was already the plan or already on uh, something I was considering before he passed. And so being able to just stay grounded and centered on the fact of you already had a plan here, just continue to work that plan. So finding joining the journey and for me in navigating all of these kind of moving pieces was I already had something concrete. I don't have to throw everything out. Like what do they say? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because my situation got a bit murky, I didn't need to throw everything I had been building and creating away. And that's a little bit. And I'm definitely open if you have some other like kind of specifics in there we can dive in. But that's how I got here. And then with the telehealth component, it is cumbersome. Each state has different legislation. Currently, we if you look up, there's this thing called the counseling compact. The professional counselors are attempting to do something similar to what lawyers do. And they have compacts where if you get your jurisdiction or your, your license in one state, it allows you to then have privileges in the other states. Counseling has been working on this and reciprocity for a very long time. And we're starting to make some movement. So it's passed in about the necessary amount of states was 11. So 11 states have agreed to it. And that's going to streamline this whole process. However, that's something that's coming in the future. <laughs> Currently, it still stands. And it's a process of going to each individual board for each state and applying for licensure. I'm grateful. I've already taken care of all of the licensing exams. Currently, there's two exams. I won't get too in, in detail into it. This is one of the classes I teach. But... I've already done most of the work for licensure. And so it's a process of just paying and applying to each state to become licensed at this point. And it has been a, it's been a journey, but I'm, I'm pretty set right now. Not looking to apply to any other states currently. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> and I can only imagine even how, to be honest with you, what kind of investment, I'm not even gonna say how expensive. It's not about being expensive. It's about investment to be able to progress. And I hope that a lot of people catch that because the mindset of investing to progress is different than it's expensive. I can't afford it because if it's something that you want, you'll find a way to afford it, right? Um, but just kind of just throw it in there. But um, thank you for the vulnerability and sharing with us even your experience with, you know, the passing of your father. And, you know, I can imagine that being where you are in life, just the age that you are, you know, that's nobody else's business. But I know the age that you are right now. 
am it significant to, you know, be in the world and not have parentals? And so I can't imagine. So thank you for modeling for us what it means to take the time to grieve, um, to heal at your own pace, but to make the difficult decisions and to keep finding how to carry on in spite of. And how cool is it, in my opinion, that you actually are in the room that you ran as a teenager? Because <laughs> I bet it's like, is it weird right now? Is it kind of weird? I constantly hear in my head, like, sitting up in my room. However that song goes, I can't sing. I think it's Brandy. But I'm back in the same room <laughs> where I spent time journaling my plight of existence <laughs> yet again. <laughs> oh, all good, all good. So, um, but thank you for, again, for that. And I guess for any one of you who's currently listening to this show right now, if there's something that's tugging at you um, to make a transition in your life, to pivot, um, don't don't wait. Um, go ahead and do that thing if you feel it. And not saying that even in your case, you know, you had a whole life in New Orleans, which I imagine you probably missed a little bit already. Do, do you? Just a little bit. You know, just there's something about it. There's something about the the, the culture. It's It's different. Having community there versus community here. There's no disrespect to Richmond at all, but it's a different in energy down in, in New Orleans. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Which then leads to the question I did have in mind to ask you um, in terms of the pivot in life. How are you going about reestablishing yourself in the environment that you're in now and rebuilding community or finding favorite things or adjusting to being back around family? Because a lot of us, we think about moving forward or forward progression in our life, um, especially when we come from backgrounds like we do, that is to not be at home is to that's reverse, that's backwards. So to go forward, you keep moving on. Um, so what is it like and what advice do you have for individuals who may be thinking about going home, but that may even be a worry for them um, that it's just a backward step when really it's forward? I love that you asked that question. And I will go with don't block your blessing. There are so many tough emotions with being back here in this home and tending to just matters that are just, just hard to make it very simplistic and straightforward. But I have the opportunity to continue to thrive and live and strive in a home my parents built, in a space that is, of course, difficult at times because of grief, but there's so much pride and joy associated with it. Now, I know everyone's circumstances might not be the same as mine with returning home. Maybe you're sharing a room. Maybe you're turning an old room that you never could imagine sleeping in into a bedroom. But think about what could you gain from this? Thinking about uh, financially the considerations of moving back home. Several cultures and communities of individuals that are in the United States do this. They don't leave home and run and go try to do individual, kind of individualistic perspective, leaning on the collectivistic component. We kind of, I would encourage people who are listening to break this kind of generational curse, if you will, of thinking I shouldn't be at home or moving back home is a step backwards. When moving home could mean having support, having community, if it's something that is afforded to you in your home, being able to reconsider, hey, do I wanna pay off debt that I maybe wouldn't be able to pay off if I was still paying, don't know about you all, but my apartment, the rent alone was $1,200. About half of my salary was being eaten up by just paying for rent at that time. 
And so I have an opportunity now to reallocate money in a way of maybe I will pay off additional student loans a little bit quicker. Maybe I'll be able to go out and do some things and enjoy. So I think it's really about considering what are you actually giving up? And is it the perception of what adulthood is? Or is it truly more like your ego? What are you actually losing? What does the step backwards consist of? Because I'm having this conversation with my students as well. But I don't want to go home. I don't want to live back under my parents' thumb. I don't want to do all of that. But we have opportunity of showing up and showing our parents, our loved ones, community that, hey, let me show you who I am now. And maybe I don't need the same things I needed then, but I still value you and your input. Those are different conversations that are absolutely worth having and considering. That was too good. Um, I felt that. <laughs> I really, This conversation is like, oh, I was like, I knew this was going to be good. It is exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, but I think so many parts of it, and one of them is, let's start with the, the first gen piece and you even having a home to go back to. Because far too often in our community, especially, you know, it's low SES, first generation, um, historically, parents are renting and, you know, maybe living in apartments or maybe condos or whatever, but to even own a home and one that you could go back to and have a safe haven. So shout out to your parents for the foundation that they were even able to lay in spite of not being formally educated. Let's let's start with that because that's significant and how they even laid grounds for you to be able to build wealth yourself um, such that, like you just said, your home, you're in your your brandy room, <laughs> the brandy room, you're in the brandy room, which is not, again, an office. So even how the space has evolved as you've evolved and you can take all of this money that you were once spending and put it toward, again, advancing um, your your future and your life. So this is all exciting. And again, just nuggets to be able to think about. So it's not always bad and we don't always have to, because some of us do it, we don't always have to run. Um, if I can be very transparent in this conversation, I definitely can say I was a runner. Um, and then I wanted to run back home. <laughs> so, you know, but it is what it is. So getting into um, a bit more about the business aspect, because I'm very fascinated. Again, you had a brick and mortar setup going on, which was really, like I said, the thing that some people aspire to. And you decided to make the transition to be online, which, you know, I'm all for online because I, I got a straight up online business. I mean, not completely, but 99% of it is. Um, but like, what was that like for you? Talk to us about what you started thinking about for transitioning and if you wanted to or how to set it up and, you know, weighing the cost, what's good, what's bad. Um, walk us through that thought process. Yeah, having my actual office was like a dream come true. I was so excited. Unfortunately, my we started that office in, what was that? I think it was like January, 2020, February maybe. So it wasn't open that long before the pandemic started. However, being able to go into a space and I, I shared the office with a classmate from my master's program and just to be able to create something like that, to go from just a person who never saw themselves owning an office, um, having an office space, and then to go to painting and carpets and desk and what type of energy do we want in here? It was a great experience. And so trying to navigate, do I want to walk away from this, which was a dream that I'd had for years, it was really tough. Now, COVID definitely made that a little bit easier because not many people were, well, I didn't want to be in person and most clients didn't want to be in person either. So it became kind of a logistical consideration. I was, I continued to rent my office up until 
just like a few months ago. Uh, there is something beneficial to clients having that space, being able to get outside of their home. However, I was able to do therapy that was more aligned with additional part of my dream of actually accessing people where they are. My whole thought process with therapy is I want to make it as affordable as possible and accessible as possible. So accessible as possible with affordability being there and being able to have a client click on a link that comes to their phone in a text message and they can then jump into a session anywhere as long as they are making sure they have confidentiality, they can talk freely, things of that nature. That's what I really wanted. And my office didn't provide that as much. Being able to find an office that was affordable and kind of centrally located was pretty tough in New Orleans. So being able to go to telehealth allowed me to reach folks that I wouldn't normally have been able to reach, be able to market and advertise myself in a way that gave me greater reach. And the clients, I mean, the clients that I had across, it was able to span truly across Louisiana versus just in New Orleans. So my particular population that I'm currently working with, uh, again, I could work with anyone, but most often I'm working with queer folks gender non-conforming, trans, queer, uh, anybody that's exploring those kind of communities or find themselves within those communities, I've been working with. And so with that in mind, there are people in more rural aspects or rural areas of Louisiana who would never have been able to come and drive to my office in Metairie. But as I mentioned, they can click on that link and jump on their phone and now we can have sessions. Now we can have access to care that they would not typically have. That's real. Um, accessibility. And we sometimes look at, I think, online as being inaccessible. And it is for some, depending on internet and location, what have you. But the idea is like, can you go to a library to one of those private rooms and still check in? Yes, you can. So just depending on who you are and your ability to navigate some of those things, um, you make a really, really good point with that. And then also, I'll say this um, again, as I said earlier, I have, in my opinion, the dopest therapist. <laughs> I have the dope, the one of the dopest I've ever had in my life. And it was who she was and what she stood for that I wasn't going to be able to get to where she was, which was three hours away from me to even have sessions with her. And I wasn't finding anybody in the area where I was that I felt like I was meshing with. Um, and one that I did find, there was some scheduling issues, right? Um, and even with me just getting to the sessions at the time, so it was inconvenient for me to make it. And the one time that I had a meeting and I wasn't able to make it to it and I lost, you know, the money for that, I was like, never again. <laughs> so I had to learn my lesson that way. So you make a lot of really great points about accessibility. So even when it comes to business, is your business accessible to people, but also knowing who the people are and who you're trying to serve. Um, so I think that's really exciting. But also you mentioned something else. You talked about knowing what you want um, for your business because knowing what you wanted at this point is what helped you to make some of those changes. Um, so thinking about like where you are now and again, continue to think about the pivots. Um, are there any things that you're missing currently about what you had with the brick and mortar um, in any way that you can actually still incorporate some of those things into what you have now, especially for the people who are struggling with the idea of changing anything in their business at all or anything in their life. I mean, this is probably just a good life advice. Yeah, there's absolutely parts that I miss. Uh, I, I miss going to my office and having that escape. Escapism is real. So being able to leave and go somewhere else, just a different change of uh, pace and scenery. 
So I missed that. And I was actually just walking past the place the other day and said that it was uh, available for renting or leasing. And I'm thinking, huh, that could be cool because I've been able to free up mental space to start a new dream. So at that point in New Orleans, I was thinking just private practice. I just need one office so I can see a client. Now I'm thinking about group practices. Being able to be a supervisor, it has created space for me to want to spend a little bit more time providing supervision. And again, accessibility. Accessibility is the biggest piece to me. So if I were to go into this group practice setting, I would be able to have counselors that are going through the resident, um, residency program, essentially, to become licensed counselors. And they would have offices and making those things affordable. They're little pieces that were hard for me to attain when I was going through. Not everything is, there's going to be kind of loopholes and things you have to do. But if you're a first generation college student, uh, absolutely, it's confusing. It's hard to know who do I work with? Who should I go to? It's because this is a game all about who you know. Whereas I haven't, I don't often see people coming in, at least in Virginia, providing this type of service in this way so that there is accessibility to the client, but also to the future counselors. So I miss that. And then just in general, being able to pivot, whether it's in your profession or life, getting centered with yourself to identify what is it that I want? What is it that I need? Which want, which need am I actually putting at the forefront that I'm going to prioritize right now? You can do everything. I agree with that statement, just not at the exact same time. I know in college they kept saying, telling us, you know, do you want to be a member of 60 organizations and give each one of those like 10% of your time? Or do you want to have two that you can truly show up for? And now you could still go out and do all of the pieces that you want to do pivot, do those things. But what is the actual end goal? Who are you trying to serve with this change? Are you serving yourself in the sense that you're prioritizing some need? As I mentioned, being able to truly grieve in my own space and time. That's the main piece of my pivot. Or is it another consideration that I have with uh, if I will go from continue my private practice as it stands, or if I want to go back to working with an agency? There's a lot of overhead of just working, having my private practice by myself. Mentioned marketing, advertisement, all of that. Do I have the time to give to the entire process? I want to be able to do whatever I'm doing well, not so much uh, pouring from an empty cup. Yeah, you did it again. <laughs> I'm like, I can't wait to hear this back. <laughs> okay, all the nuggets, all the nuggets. Um, you mentioned the overhead piece. And again, decisions to make and writing those lists of purposes and ideas and wants and needs within the reality. Um, while I've yet to experience my own office away from, you know, home, I love the home office. I love the coziness, but sometimes having the the space to what you said, um, I imagine it's like it's cool, but also with me growing, um, how I started off in the space that I'm in now was just, you know, the desk and a little bookshelf and a little couch. Now there's stuff everywhere. <laughs> It's everywhere. Um, it's never clean, never clean. At least not like I want it to be, but it's, I have books and I have, you know, journals and notebooks and my reading books and all kinds of stuff that are lying around. But even with that, um, I know that going to a space would come with a different set of responsibilities, but also um, to be online, let's say to be in e-commerce, am I going to trade off having the space and people not being able to come to a store, an actual storefront? and get things or do I want to deal with shipping and how do I deal with shipping and inflation of products that are out there and also take care of the customer 
um, and people can't see and feel and touch your stuff before they buy it. So it's always going to be something no matter which way you go. But again, to reiterate what you said, it's choosing what makes the most sense to you and what feels right and what you can sustain. And it was a dream of mine to have an online business. And so these are some of the things that I'm just going to have to deal with. So love that. Um, a question for you that's just definitely hit my spirit. And I just want to know, I don't think I've ever asked you this one. Why does entrepreneurship even matter to you? What is it all for? I love how organic our, our conversations always are. Like they have a topic where you start with, but it just gets deeper and deeper. Entrepreneurship is, that's a tough question. For me, it's, it's just a tough question. I didn't see myself going into entrepreneurship. Uh, I never really thought that far out. However, I ended up here and it's it's helpful to me because I, I'm, a, I'm an academic, you know, I like to learn. And so when I first started out with being a counselor, I was working in different facilities, private, public, uh, residential treatment facilities. And I wanted to see how this entire system works. How does mental health function in the United States? So I had to become, go out and do private practice. I had to see what this was like because big picture, I want to make some true change, even if it's only moving the needle a little bit. And for me, if I'm going to do this and probably lean into my qualitative researcher style, I want to throw myself out there and, and get my hands dirty, figure it out. What is this actually like? What is the experience of being a counselor in the United States? What does that involve? What does that entail? Being able to truly provide accessible quality services for clients, it takes a lot. And so being an entrepreneur was not the initial dream. The dream was to simply provide quality services and to know how I could do that in the best way. And being an entrepreneur with counseling and having my private practice allowed me to truly provide services that I wanted, how I wanted, where I wanted, and when I wanted. I have the flexibility now at this point, I've created more of a concrete schedule, just being able to pay attention to the trends and when I see people wanting counseling, being able to provide some counseling services in the middle of the day through the afternoon, having flexibility if I'm working with kids again, knowing it's just going to change with scheduling over the summer. Do I need to be a counselor that only provides services in the evenings or on the weekends? And although there is information out there, data out there, it's to me too generalized, especially when we're thinking about serving black communities, because most of that research says people of color, because they don't have enough people in those studies to adequately say or to generalize for specific populations. So yeah, being an entrepreneur was able an opportunity for me to truly dive in to the profession and to the field that I love and I've invested a lot of time into to have a better understanding. We're not gonna do it to the people today. We're not gonna have them for two hours. Because <laughs> we can go on and on. I'm like, oh, it just resonates. Um, I was working on a grant. Actually, I did a couple of grants this week. And what I found myself saying in both of them is, you know, entrepreneurship isn't the thing that I ever anticipated for my life either, right? But it's been the thing that's made the most sense. Um, professionally, I've never been more fulfilled than what I am now because I'm able to really enjoy um, all that I'm doing and all the ways that I'm doing it across all of the majors that I've ever had at disciplines, all the jobs that I've ever worked. Um, everything just makes sense to me now. And while the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life 
I definitely think it's the most rewarding thing that I've ever done in my life. And I get up every day excited about the work I'm going to do in hell. Sometimes I don't even want to go to sleep because of the work that I'm doing. So it consumes me, but in a way that it fills me up. And, you know, I don't want anything in me to talk about it. We know at the end of this life, we don't want to, you know, die full, die empty kind of thing. I feel like this has been that for me. So I appreciate the perspective. Um, but we are at that point, that point that I don't really want us to be at, but I know that we can just have our own little sidebar conversation. Um, but as we are coming to, you know, the the close of this conversation, um, would be interested, and I should have gone back and caught it, but I didn't, but I'm going to do it next time. What is the piece of advice that you would want to leave us with at this point in your journey? I understand we could definitely keep going. It's like we're just getting, getting geared up here, but the piece of advice I would give is something I actually just got from my brother uh, last year. It's just choose joy. Humans experience a whole range of emotions. You can honor that, acknowledge it, but then choose joy. Try to lead your life from a perspective of joy and being joyful so that you can make the most out of it. As you were saying, we get one life. And what do you want there to be between the, the birth date and your death date? My hope is that people are able to talk about countless opportunities where I chose joy. So that would be the best bit of advice I could give at this point. That's good enough and more than good enough, actually, for me. But Dr. Belcher, I just want to thank you again for just the space, for the opportunity to share, to catch up with you. Um, I may need to start a Where Are They Now series, right? And just see how people have been able to matriculate or how we've continued to evolve. But I'm very excited for you. I'm very happy to just hear of all the progress that you've been able to make and how you're making tough decisions, but doing them with joy and finding joy. Um, and all of it. And just again, thank you for for your life and for your work. Um, we truly appreciate it. And we look forward to catching you around some way or another. Maybe you'll be back again. Maybe we'll be live in person. Um, it's going to be something. But again, just thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you again.